Welcome to Idlewild Cottage, a quiet place where kindred spirits can linger together over a cup of tea, savoring all things lovely and cozy. My name is Juliana, and I'm delighted to have you. Each episode here at the cottage will center around a theme. That theme will be celebrated in a number of ways, through literature, art, nature, and even some favorite movie scenes, we'll cherish the sweet and simple things of life. So make yourself at home, and I'll put the kettle on. All great stories have some element of surprise, suspense, or mystery about them. Often, this is precisely what keeps us turning the pages to see what happens next. As autumn draws on, many readers reach for cozy mysteries. This week, I thought we'd step into several mysterious moments from a few of our favorite stories. Now, these books aren't actually mysteries, but the element of suspense definitely keeps us wanting to read more. Take, for instance, this dark, cold night from Little House in the Big Woods. Pa is away trading furs, so Ma and Laura take the evening chores upon themselves. Laura put on her coat and Ma buttoned it up. Laura put her hands into her red mittens while Ma lighted the candle in the lantern. Laura was proud to be helping Ma with the milking, and she carried the lantern very carefully. Its sides were of tin, with places cut in them for the candlelight to shine through. When Laura walked behind Ma on the path to the barn, the little bits of candlelight from the lantern leaped all around her on the snow. The night was not yet quite dark. The woods were dark, but there was a gray light on the snowy path. Laura was surprised to see the dark shape of Suki, the brown cow, standing at the barnyard gate. Ma was surprised, too. She should have been in the barn. But Ma and Laura saw her behind the bars, waiting for them. Ma went up to the gate and pushed against it to open it, but it did not go very far because there was Suki standing against it. Ma said, Suki, get over. She reached across the gate and slapped Suki's shoulder. Just then, one of the dancing little bits of light from the lantern jumped between the bars of the gate and Laura saw long, shaggy black fur and two little glittering eyes. Suki had thin, short brown fur. Suki had large, gentle eyes. Ma said, Laura, walk back to the house. So Laura turned around and began to walk toward the house. Ma came behind her. When they had gone part way, Ma snatched her up, lantern and all, and ran. If you'd like to step more fully into the world of Little House to see what happens next, you might enjoy the sleepy narration of this book as shared in the podcast Drift Off Bedtime Stories. I'll include a link in the show notes. Speaking of bedtime, our chums Anne and Diana are in for a rather startling surprise one dark night at the Berry home. Anne is to be the guest of honor and spend the night with Diana following an evening concert. It was eleven when they got home, sated with dissipation. Everybody seemed asleep and the house was dark and silent. Anne and Diana tiptoed into the parlor, a long, narrow room out of which the spare room opened. 
It was pleasantly warm and dimly lighted by the embers of a fire in the grate. Let's undress here, said Diana. It's so nice and warm. Once the girls are ready for bed, Anne suggests, Let's run a race and see who'll get to the bed first. The suggestion appealed to Diana. The two little white-clad figures flew down the long room, through the spare room door, and bounded on the bed at the same moment. And then something moved beneath them. There was a gasp and a cry. Just who or what made that gasp and cry? Well, you'll just have to be sure to read Anne of Green Gables to find out. Another pair of kindred spirits are Julian and Portia, who explore their summer vacation surroundings in Elizabeth Enright's 1957 book, Gone Away Lake. In the opening pages of this delightful read, the cousins find themselves mysteriously turned around while navigating a swamp. Julian was ahead as usual, and all at once he crashed into some hidden obstacle and fell over it. For heaven's sake, look, Portia said. It's a rowboat. An old, upside-down rowboat buried in the weeds. What is it doing here? You can't go rowing in a swamp. But maybe if I stand up on the thing, I can see where we are at least. They both climbed up on the little hulk and looked out over the tops of the reeds, beyond which grew the dark woods. But that was not all. Portia and Julian drew in a breath of surprise at exactly the same instant, because at the northeast end of the swamp, between the reeds and the woods, they saw a row of wrecked old houses. There were perhaps a dozen of them, all large and shabby, though once they must have been quite elaborate. But now the balconies were sagging and the turrets tipsy, and everything was as still as death. Porsche, those houses are empty. They're all deserted. Porsche, it's a ghost town. Oh, let's go, let's go, Portia whispered back, pulling at his sleeve. I don't like it here. Her voice quavered with fear. And just at that moment, in the last house on the right-hand side, they heard a curious crackling sound, and then an enormous voice began to speak. I'm not sure which is more unsettling, an enormous voice near a swamp or a mysterious cry in a dark mansion. Let's return again this week to the secret garden, where Mary Lennox is growing increasingly accustomed to her new surroundings at Misselthwaite Manor. In today's scene, Maid Martha draws Mary's attention to the wind from the moors as it weathers around the house. But that's not all Mary hears. Mary did not know what weathering meant until she listened, and then she understood. It must mean that hollow, shuddering sort of roar which rushed round and round the house as if a giant were beating at the walls and windows to try to break in. As she was listening, she began to listen to something else. It was a curious sound. It seemed almost as if a child were crying somewhere. Sometimes the wind sounded rather like a child crying, but presently Mistress Mary felt quite sure that this sound was inside the house, not outside it. It was far away, but it was inside. And at that very moment, a door must have been opened somewhere downstairs, for a great rushing draft blew along the passage 
and the door of the room they sat in was blown open with a crash, and as they both jumped to their feet, the light was blown out, and the crying sound was swept down the far corridor so that it was to be heard more plainly than ever. Well, Martha insists on blaming the wind or the scullery maid for making the noise, but if we read on, we know she's hiding the truth. The same can be said of Mrs. Fairfax, as she gives Jane Eyre a tour of her new home, Thornfield. In this scene, Jane is enjoying the view from the attics. Leaning over the battlements and looking far down, I surveyed the grounds, the bright velvet lawn, the field wide as a park, the wood dun and sere, the tranquil hills all reposing in the autumn day's sun. When I turned from it and repassed the trap door, I could scarcely see my way down the ladder. The attic seemed black as a vault. Mrs. Fairfax stayed behind a moment to fasten the trap door. I, by dint of groping, proceeded to descend the narrow garret staircase. I lingered in the long passage to which this led. Narrow, low, and dim. While I paced softly on, the last sound I expected to hear in so still a region, a laugh, struck my ear. It was a curious laugh, distinct, formal, mirthless. I stopped. Mrs. Fairfax, I called out. Did you hear that loud laugh? Who is it? Some of the servants, very likely, she answered. The laugh was repeated in its low, syllabic tone and terminated in an awed murmur. These dark and chilly homes have me yearning for the cozy flicker of firelight, so let's take a moment to draw around the hearth here at Idlewild Cottage. I'll toss another log on the fire and pour out a soothing round of tea. This blackberry sage black tea is always a winner, so do sip and enjoy the warmth before we enter our final setting, the Sessman home, in Johanna Speary's book, Heidi. Heidi has now been staying for some time as companion to Clara. In chapter 12, titled The Sessaman House is Haunted, we find ourselves in the company of a grim housekeeper. For several days, Miss Rottenmeyer was walking about the house in deep thought. Whenever at nightfall she went from one room to another or through the long corridor, she often looked here and there in the corners and now and then glanced quickly behind her as if she was afraid that somebody might come slowly behind her. For some time in the Sessaman house, something strange and mysterious had been going on. When the servants came down each morning, the house door stood wide open. At night, the door was not only double locked, but the wooden bar was also put across. It was of no avail. In the morning, the door stood wide open. Well, the house is all confusion, and eventually Mr. Sessaman and the doctor take things into their own hands and keep watch, suspecting thieves when everyone else suspects a ghost. The night of their watch, the men are in conversation when suddenly they hear a noise in the corridor. Through the wide open door, the pale moonshine came in and lighted up a white form which stood still. On the threshold. I encourage you to read this classic to discover who or what 
the men find that moonlit night. And if you'd like to step into some cinematic moments by Mysterious Moonlight, you might find these films to be up your alley. The 1964 Disney mystery The Moon Spinners stars Haley Mills. Mills also makes a darling sleuth alongside Dean Jones in the 1965 That Darn Cat. The 1944 film Arsenic and Old Lace, starring Cary Grant, is a classic dark comedy for this time of year. And the autumn scenes in Meet Me in St. Louis are always a favorite, especially Tootie's triumphant declaration, I'm the most horrible. Well, my friends, I hope this episode has been a fun one for you. As always, I so appreciate your encouragement in the form of five-star reviews, shares, and tags. Thank you for taking the time to do this. The hint of mystery and the unknown brings to mind an album my kids enjoyed when they were young called Hide Em In Your Heart. Steve Green sings the words of Psalm 56. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Friends, I'm aware that even as we read of these simple though mysterious moments, we do have very real concerns and fears in our lives. My prayer is that in each of these we would trust in God who carries all things in His mighty, loving hands. Thank you for joining me today, dear ones. Please come again soon to Idlewild Cottage.